Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. <laughs> I tried to convince him to stay up here with me this morning, just in case he had something to add, but he wouldn't. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I, I just want to do my best to deliver what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart today. I tried to organize it um, as a sermon, but y'all know me well enough to know. I just get a word from the Lord, and I want to articulate it clearly. If you stretch your hands toward me, let's just pray a quick prayer that the Lord will have his way and that his word will be delivered today. Father, thank you for this awesome opportunity we have together before you and to hear from heaven. Lord, we didn't come to hear from a person today. We came to hear from you. And I ask, Father, that you would speak to me, speak through me. Let your word be quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between the soul and the spirit. Father, we need a word from the spirit right now. And I just ask for your anointing to confirm your word and that signs, wonders, and miracles would follow your word today. And we just give you all glory and honor and praise in this house in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, today, I, I want to talk, um, if I was to, to title this, it would be face-to-face. -face. Um, I have just kind of been pregnant with this word for a while. It was more of something God showed me personally. Um, and then I had the privilege of ministering with Kevin this week in Florida and felt very strongly that this is a word for this hour, for this house, for the church as a whole in our nation. Um, and I want to take my text from two different passages uh, that I'll just read uh, for you briefly. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. One will be John chapter 1 and John chapter 5. And I, please forgive me, I forgot to tell you to stand for the word, but we honor the word in this house. So if you'll please just jump right back up. You you won't have to stand up again unless you want to. I'm going to read from John 5 and 19 first. And it says this. So Jesus said, I speak to you timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through. He says, I am not able to do anything through myself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing. For the son does the same works as his father. Verse 20 says this, because the father loves his son so much, he always reveals to me everything that he is about to do. And you will be amazed when he shows me even greater works than what you've seen so far. John chapter 1 reads this way in the Passion Translation. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together, face to face, in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. Life came into being because of him. And for his life is the light for all humanity. And this living expression is light that burst through gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. You may be seated. What you see determines what you will say. What you look at and what you see will determine what you do and how you respond. 
We don't notice it as much as adults, the power of modeling. But if I have any mamas or dads in the room, your children paid much more attention to what they saw you do before they ever listened to what you had to say. They learned to be the, the, the man and woman they are now by watching the example of those around them. Because what we behold is who we will become. And what we see determines how we respond to the world around us. In John chapter 5, Jesus makes it very clear Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the very essence of God in the flesh, he was God and he was man. He literally says these words, I am not able to do anything on my own initiative. I could probably read that verse today and close my Bible, and that would be a word we would need to chew on all week. How much do you do on your own initiative? And how much are you surrendered to what the Father tells you to say and not to say, to do and not to do. And in this society around us, I fear that a lot of us are operating on our own initiative instead of realizing that it's not us who live, but Christ in us. And we have forgotten that the essence of Christianity is a surrender to our Father, our Heavenly Father, and that when we took on His name, we were made in His image, not just in His image. Get this, you were made in His likeness. Read your word. It doesn't mean you just look like him. It means you were made to be like him. You were made to represent him. This morning when Kevin introduced me, I am Devin Wallace. I took on his name when I married him. And that means, unfortunately, most things that I do reflect him, whether it's good or bad. And the four children, the one senior you saw on this stage, unfortunately, their triumphs and their failures usually reflect Kevin and I because we bear the same name. And it means they were made in our image and our likeness. And because we carry the same name, our actions are interwoven with one another. And we are the called out ones who bear the name of Yahweh. That great command that says not to take the Lord's name in vain. I know my grandmother got on us if we said gosh golly or anything that even resembled taking the name of the Lord in vain and we should say his name with reverence but that meaning there in the original text is much more than just saying God's name in a flippant way that word vanity actually means emptiness and it means when you take on his name but you don't represent the likeness of who he is how many of us live a Christian life of vanity and emptiness, a name that we don't reflect, a name that we don't live up to, and it's because we operate on our own instead of understanding that if Jesus only did what he saw his father doing, how much more should we live a life that only reflects what we see our father doing? And verse 20 leads to what will be the second half of my message when we live a life like that, we develop a relationship with Yahweh that sets us apart, an intimate communion that will lead to the disclosure of his heart to those he trusts. If you find yourself clueless in this hour, like many of us had, it should be a challenge for us to draw closer. Because Jesus said in verse 20, because the Father loves him so much, he always tells him everything he's about to do. We are not entitled to the revelation of the Father, but it is available to those who will draw near to him. What we see determines what we will say. 
The year 2020 itself, I'm going to try to read. I'm going to stay very focused today, but... The year 2020 itself carried two prophetic words that I heard echoed um, across not just our nation, but across the globe. Two prophetic words that uh, were kind of obvious in the year we were having, but were definitely spoke by the Spirit. And you probably heard these two. Number one, how many heard that this is the year of the mouth? Anybody heard that? Okay. Where that comes from is this is the year of Pei, P-E-Y, which is the 17th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And that means mouth. It is the year of mouth, 5780. It is the year that was prophesied that we would speak and be heard, that the bride would roar, that Jehovah would roar through his bride in Zion, that our voices would be heard. And also, um, it was the year that we said would be clear vision for the church. How many heard that? It's the year 2020, and 2020 represents clear vision. I just want to go a little deeper into that revelation now because it will give us an understanding of where we are right smack in the middle of 2020. In that word pay, P-E-Y, the 17th letter of the Hebrew alphabet are two very Uh, hidden revelations that you have to dig to find, but when you find them, you hear the heart of God. As the Spirit declared this would be the year of pay, you have to uh, uncover that Hebrew word pay because every letter of the Hebrew alphabet has multiple breakdowns and multiple meanings. It's why the word of the Lord is revealed in layers. And that word pay, don't worry about Hebrew. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but it has within it a hidden bet, a hidden B-E-T. That is irrelevant to those of us who don't speak Hebrew, but very relevant to the revelation of what God was saying this year because that hidden bet within pay means this. It means the house or the home. So when we started January 2020 declaring this is the year of pay, this is the year of mouth, we began with limited revelation to think it meant that the pulpits would be hurt more. That maybe we would preach more or be interviewed on TV more or that the bride would be exposed just through verbal declaration. But what you've got to look at in the word pay, the hidden meeting that came much to um, our surprise and some of us kicking and screaming was that that word pay actually means within the house. And that Yahweh was focusing on the words spoken within our house. That word pay actually means an ending of hypocrisy. Meaning no longer will there be public declarations that are not private declarations within the home. And just a couple months into the year of pay, we found ourselves quarantined to our homes. Kicking and screaming thinking the Lord had abandoned us. But what the Lord was saying was, did I not declare through my prophets this would be a year of the spoken word in the home? And now I'm going to force my people into their home to deal with their marriages, to deal with their children, to deal with what's been said in the home. Because we have been far too distracted with what's going on around us to focus on the family. So for a good two weeks and even for Passover, how many were dying when you were stuck in your home? Some of you even forgot your children's eye color until quarantine happened. 
But what God is doing is bigger than just a prophetic word behind a pulpit. He's been messing with our house because the strength of the kingdom is dependent upon the strength of your home. And when God determined to build a body and to build a church in the Garden of Eden, he did not build a 10,000 mega church right there in the Garden of Eden. He built a husband and wife and told them to be fruitful and multiply and determined to reveal himself through the family. And God is serious about his bride in this country. He doesn't want us to be a bride of hypocrisy that demonstrates something on the outside that we don't live before our children. And we are finding that the year of pay is actually being fulfilled in this nation. But what's so interesting about this letter pay, and I'm not preaching in Hebrew all, all morning. This is an important foundation. That Letter pay is the 17th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I don't have time to preach on 17 today. But what's really important is that the letter pay actually follows the 16th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is I-N, I-A-Y-I-N. Why is this important, Pastor Devin? Because I-N is the 16th letter, and it means a priority of the eyes and vision. God is a God of order, even in the alphabet he established. It's why he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He was saying, I am A, I am Z, and every letter in between speaks of me. He put them in order on purpose. And all I came to break down for you to say is that 16 does come before 17, which means eyes come before mouth. And what that progression says to us is you can't speak until you first see clearly. Do you hear me this morning? I-N is before pay because we want to talk a whole lot, but we don't want to uh, examine our focus and what we're looking at. And God is trying to say, you don't have anything to say until you can first see me fully. You don't have anything to preach until you first have a revelation of me. And the church is not going to have anything relevant to declare in this hour until she first have a revelation of me high and lifted up on the throne sight comes before sound and what you see in your 2020 vision will determine what you declare over your house and over this nation because what you're looking at is actually the filter for what you're saying some of us are speaking wrongly just because we're looking at the wrong source Jesus modeled that he leaned on revelation, not just information. So I'm going to teach for just a moment on the difference between information and revelation and why our nation is in trouble and why the church has nothing to say to transform the nation around us because we are regurgitating information that simply makes people more aware of where they're already stuck and we are void of revelation that will actually transform the society around us. Information versus revelation. Jesus leaned on revelation. He walked by revelation, not information. Information will present to you facts, but revelation will reveal to you truth. 
I don't have time to break down the arguments of philosophy in our day, but there is an attack on absolutes and truth because truth is the ultimate reality in which God resides. God doesn't just believe in truth. God is truth. God himself is the ultimate reality. Looking at the garden in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we spend our whole life studying the sinful fall of man, and we forget that Jesus became the last Adam to restore to us what happened in the first three chapters of the Bible before sin destroyed our walk with God. And Adam did not walk in information. Adam walked in revelation. And Jesus came to walk by revelation. We have for far too long valued information in the church instead of revelation. What is information? Information is a series of facts that we can gain through our own experience, our own personal research, and our own study. And we live in an age of information where a six-year-old can gain information that they'll never learn at school just by researching articles on the internet. There's no excuse for ignorance in the day in which we live. Information is available at your fingertips. Revelation differs from information because it cannot be discovered through study. I don't know how many preachers or Future preachers I'm talking to in this house today, you cannot study yourself into divine revelation. You may study out a revelation that God uncovers for you. In fact, there are some revelatory statements God has said to me, I have spent my life studying out. But you can never with head knowledge discover the heart of Yahweh. You can't study to find revelation. Revelation in itself is unveiling it is the Greek word apocalypsis. Calypsis literally means veil. It's the same word used for the veil in the temple. And that, that prefix apo, apo, literally means to remove it. So the word revelation is veil removal or to remove the veil. It is hidden truth that Yahweh in his good pleasure, he puts a veil over and those that fear him and those that seek him and those that love him, he finds it in his good pleasure a moment just to pull the veil off and uncover what has been hidden from the wisest of the wise and the most intelligent of the most intelligent. Jesus had a moment when he was walking with his disciples that it said he rejoiced exceedingly. Some say he danced. Some say he laughed. And he said, Father, I'm rejoicing because you have chosen to hide your, your, this revelation of me from the knowledgeable. And you have revealed it to the simple and the childlike. God loves to mess with your intelligence and take a seven-year-old child and say, this one will find the kingdom because I choose to reveal it to her. That's good news for some of us who don't have 10 degrees in Hebrew and Greek, right? God will reveal to you what you're not smart enough to know. Hmm. The disciples were simple fishermen 
Luke probably was the most educated because he was a doctor. They weren't educated in, in all of the, the things that they saw Jesus do and the revelation that he walked in. But later in their life, it was said of them in the book of Acts chapter 4 that people were confused by them. They said, these are ignorant men, but they speak with intelligence and boldness, and they knew it was because they had been with Jesus. When did we start epitomizing degrees and diminishing a prayer life? When did we start leaning upon the intelligence of humanity and shut our voices to those who fast and pray and walk with him? I'm here to tell you knowledge is good, but revelation is better, and relationship will make you look smarter than any of the degrees on your wall. God wants to talk to you. In the beginning... Adam didn't know anything, not even his own name. He wasn't created as an infant. He was created as an adult with an infant mind. Why don't you swallow that for kingdom revelation? When God talked about it being revealed to children, Adam was a child adult. He opened his eyes for the first time when the breath of God entered his body and all he saw was a face. And all Adam had to see to have dominion over the whole earth was a face. All Adam had to know how to do was be in the right place at the right time in the cool of the day when the Ruach of God would blow through the garden. And he just had to learn to follow his father. He just had to learn to walk with him and talk with him. And methodically and strategically, Yahweh began to impart to Adam knowledge that I believe we can't learn in our greatest universities in this world. Knowledge about the earth and knowledge about truth and knowledge about creation that equipped Adam to rule and reign in God's image. Isn't that amazing? He just walked with him. He just talked with him. And Jesus, the last Adam, did the same thing. I got to get back to where I am. Revelation is what God reveals. It's knowledge that only comes through his spirit and the uncovering of his hand. And I'm here to tell you, there is more hidden of God than he is yet to reveal in this earth. There is more revelation waiting for the discovery of his sons and daughters. Revelation on cancer. Revelation on social injustice. Revelation on economic disasters and how to change the economy. Everything that the earth is crying out for answers for. At the same time, it's groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, to stand up and say, we have knowledge from heaven, and this knowledge can change the earth around you. We're looking in the wrong places. We're listening to the wrong sources, and the declarations out of our mouth are empty and void, and they're not helping anyone. We're speaking in vain. Information will give facts, but revelation gets truth Facts can be skewed, they can be twisted, and they can change. But truth will never change. Truth is a solid foundation on which we can stand, and the word of the Lord will stand when heaven and earth pass away. And Jesus leaned on revelation instead of information. Can I take my time? Am I good? It's why Jesus could walk into the room of a dead girl. And when everyone else was crying, 
He looked at them and said, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed at his revelation because they were so consumed by their own information that he said, sweetheart, you're going to have to leave the room. You're walking in an inferior level of knowledge. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. And he just said, she's sleeping. So I don't care what your information is. I don't care what her heart rate is. And I don't care if she's breathing. The reality and the truth is that what God says is true. And he said to Lotha Kumai, little girl, rise up. And she opened her eyes and defied information. That's why he could look at a paralyzed man on a mat and say, rise up and walk. Jesus did not limit God's capacity to the inferior information of the world around him. He walked with his feet on earth, but his head in the throne room. And he listened to what God was saying. And the only thing he ever spoke was revelation. And what he spoke shifted the world around him. Relationship is the currency for revelation. Help me teach this, Father. Adam gained revelation to have dominion in the territory in which he was placed by walking and talking with God in the cool of the day, by looking at his face and modeling himself after the one in whose image he was created and, and taking on the likeness by sheer proximity, by sheer closeness. God did not impart revelation to Adam at a distance. It said he would come down and walk with him. But there came this moment in the garden. It's the one that we fear the most. It's the one that marked the fall of humanity. And it was the temptation of Eve and Adam also took the fruit. But what you miss about that not only was it the lust of the eyes and the desire for something that was forbidden, it's so much deeper. Eve wanted information that she had not been given permission through, through relationship for. Do you hear me? Satan said to her, God knows if you eat this, you'll be like him and you'll know all things. And you've got to realize up until this point, God determined the amount of revelation, and he did it through daily relationship. And Eve decided she would take the cheap way. She didn't have to wait on God to disclose it. She didn't have to walk in the cool of the day. The enemy said, just bite this fruit, and you'll automatically receive the information of God. And the desire for information and revelation outside of relationship is what led to the fall of man. And we are still eating the same fruit today. May I submit to you that I don't think God was going to ever withhold that information from Adam and Eve. I believe it would have come in time. I believe that they would have known all things, but it was the joy of relationship and unveiling that was the priority, not the obtaining of information. And Eve short-circuited a process that broke the trust of Yahweh. Relationship has always been the currency for revelation with the Father. And your nearness to Him 
will determine what he chooses and trusts to reveal to you. And it is his good pleasure to reveal his heart to those whom he loves. If you don't walk in intimacy, you are not entitled to know the heart of God. If you don't walk in communion and relationship to him, you cannot demand for him to unveil the secrets of his heart. But if you walk closely to him and you fix your eyes on him, you cannot help but be illuminated with the revelation that comes from his presence and you will see the world differently around you. You will see your circumstances differently around you. Why do some have joy in this season and some are gripped with fear? It depends what you're looking at. It depends who you're listening to. I promise you God will not give you the secrets of his heart through Instagram. He will not download the secrets of his heart through Facebook. He is not going to do an interview with CNN or Fox News to disclose to you his hidden arm in this hour. If you are looking for information you will go to bed at night with fear, gripped with fear and worry and anxiety. But if you will get your face in his face and you will get your face in his word, you will see it differently because the veil will be removed from your eyes. Jesus, help the bride focus and fix our eyes on you. The fact that we are hearing more information than revelation is an indicator that the bride is not focused in the right direction. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus, and that proper focus unlocks heavenly understanding. There is a contending for focus in the bride. There is a contending for your focus. There is a fight. For your focus, hear the word of the Lord in this hour. Because it's really a battle over divine revelation. Because if the enemy can keep the sons and daughters in the dark, he can keep the society in the dark. And he is offering you every form of distraction. He is doing everything he can to turn your eyes away. Because in you is the answer for what's around us, and we'll only find it in communion with him. Intimacy truly is the answer. It's what Kevin preached last week. And it's that dominion that God wants us to return to. What the bride should receive and repeat in this year of the mouth is not regurgitated information, but declared prophetic revelation. We are in a place we have never been before. We are moving at a pace we have never moved before. We are seeing things happen we have never seen before. How can we in our pride even think we can begin to tell anyone we know what to do if Jesus himself didn't even speak until he spoke with his father? Church, it's a call to repentance. Oh, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm one of those ones, those crazy ones that have just been so confused by the masks, not the practicality of it. But 
in the year of the mouth, does anyone, has anyone been like, isn't this weird? We're all covering our face. And I've worn a mask to go in places. There's no condemnation, but my brain can't help but think that way. So I was like, Lord, is this like an attack on the mouth? I wish I could say that. But I felt like the Lord whispered to me and said, no, maybe my people don't need to be saying anything right now. Sorry, Kev. Maybe until you get a revelation, you should put your mask on and be quiet. Wow, it just came out of my mouth. Maybe we're doing a whole lot of talking, but we're not transforming anyway, anybody because we are so worried about saying something, but we are not being quick to listen and slow to speak, and we are listening to everything but what the Lord would say. And maybe a season of silence would be good for the church to go back to the prayer closet and throw away your information and hear revelation so that you can come out and take your mask off and speak something that will bring life and bring hope and bring transformation to our nation. I'm almost done. Revelation will only come through face-to-face relationship. That was the title of this message. It's illegal illegal in the spirit to attempt to operate in revelation outside of face-to-face intimacy. Information is cheap, but revelation will cost you time. I would trade 10 pages of Harvard's information for one sentence of revelation from Yahweh. If you've ever gotten a word from the Lord, a revelation, he can say three words and it changes the world around you. And 10 pages of information will do nothing but keep you stuck where you are. We're starving. I am sick to death of information, but my heart has been starving for revelation. Father, speak one word to me. Speak one sentence to me. All I need to know is where is your heart? And if we lack intimacy, we can't have those one sentences of information that will change the world around us. What you are looking for and what you are looking at is face to face. And you cannot look in a direction that you are not facing. This is really practical this morning. If we're supposed to look unto Jesus, and if revelation comes to f- in face to face, you cannot look in a direction your face is not turned. You were not created with eyes in the back of your head. And I'm afraid we're in an Ezekiel 8 moment of the church. Some of you may never have even read Ezekiel, but you should look at Ezekiel chapter 8, 16. I've been so burdened. This is just something personal God gave me, and I deliver it today to everyone. 
Ezekiel said this, the Lord brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. In other words, God took me to church. And he took me to the entrance of the temple between the porch and the altar. This should ring a bell immediately because Joel chapter 2 says the priest should be wailing and crying out in repentance between the porch and the altar if we want to see revival in our land. He took me to the place between the porch and the altar, and there were 25 priests there. However, they had turned their backs toward the temple of the Lord, and they had turned their faces in worship to the sun god. And the Lord began to tell Ezekiel, this is an abomination to me. Sounds like a simple passage until you really think about the fact that Ezekiel came into the church to the place where people should have been praying and seeking the Lord and they had turned their backs to the glory of God and turned their faces to the idolatry of the world around them. I fear we're in an Ezekiel 8 moment in the church. We have turned our back on his glory and turned our face in any direction that society can offer to give us false peace and false comfort. We have looked to everyone but Jesus for the solution. And we cannot receive a glory that our back is turned to. Jesus was focused on the face of the Father. John 1 says this, I read it to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. You've learned to quote it. But if you read it in the Passion Translation, where they take it into that original Greek, it actually doesn't say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It actually says, in the beginning was the Word, or the Logos, and the Logos was face to face with God. Get this, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was light, and that life was the light of men. In other words, the world was created when the Word and the Father were face to face. Everything you see around you was birthed out of a face-to-face relationship. And then God decided, let us make man in our image. And he came down and he formed man from the dust of the ground. And guess what happened? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Again, when God decided to replicate himself in creation, it was birthed out of a face-to-face relationship. Face-to-face, eye-to-eye, mouth-to-mouth, breath-to-breath. Moses, who was probably the epitome of an Old Testament example of someone who became the friend of God and got closer to God than anyone recorded in history, asked to see the glory of God. God showed him his backside. He revealed himself, and Moses came out of that experience, and guess what? His face glowed because revelation will not come until he has your face and the light of revelation illuminated the God face of Moses and you hop over to the New Testament and Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration and he has this encounter that he lets the disciples see 
And he hears the voice of God, although they could not see him, the son did. And when Jesus came out of that experience, his face shone like the sun. It is face to face where revelation comes. And a lifestyle of revelation will illuminate the bride. I'm ending with this. You can take a deep breath. My question is, is the church truly shining in this hour? Are we only a dull echo that blends in with every other form of culture? Are we shining? Are we standing out? Because John 1 says that no darkness could diminish the light within Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, you were made to shine in darkness. You were not created to blend in light. Everything in creation speaks. Everything God has created speaks. And there's no greater revelation of this than the sun and the moon. You see them every night. You see them every day. And right now, if I stepped outside, the moon could possibly be invisible to my naked eye. It serves no purpose in the day. It shines with no glory during the day because the moon was not created for the day. Only the sun was. And Jesus said this when he was getting ready to go to the cross. He said, the night is coming. The night is coming. He is not only the S-O-N, but he is the S-U-N. He is the sun. And he came in great brilliance and lit the world. But then he went and was seated at the right hand of the Father. Newsflash, there is no light in the earth unless you shine. You are the moon. You were created to bring light to the earth in the absence of the sun. You were created. The moon in itself has no light source. It is nothing more than rock. But while the sun is shining, the moon absorbs the radiation of the sun. It absorbs the light so that when the sun sets, it begins to emit what it has absorbed all day long. Why is the church blending in in this hour? Because we want to hang out in the light when there is no responsibility on us. We want Jesus the Son to do all the work. And Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. I'm giving you the keys. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And you as the moon were created to shine with brilliance in this hour. The world should be beating down the door of the church right now for answers and for guidance in thick darkness. They should be looking for the illumination of the created ones. But the moon cannot emit what it has not soaked in. Man, I can't preach all that right now. You will never Shine with what you don't soak in. Quit looking at the kingdom like Burger King. You cannot bite a fruit and inherit the revelation of heaven. And you cannot go through a drive through called church in 15 minutes and shine with the glory of the kingdom. You've got to learn to get your face in his face, in your house, in your prayer closet. You've got to learn to grab hold of the horse. 
like him. Beware of dark people who wear a Christian badge in this season. Beware who you follow and listen to. If they're not glowing in the dark, then I would challenge if they're praying in their closet. Be careful that you don't follow another dark one. Look for someone who is illuminated with glory and with revelation. Psalms 27 and 1 says this, The Lord is my revelation light to guide me along the way. Psalms 119 and 105 says, truth shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Ephesians 1 and 18 says this, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your understanding, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us. You were created to shine. I was sitting in, uh, yesterday, I tried to explain this to Kevin. He was like, you're not going to preach that, are you? But I think I am. So everyone is responding to the virus around us in different ways. In the Wallace house, we decided to strengthen our immune systems. And they probably take, no joke, 25 vitamins a day. Right? Because your body is made to fight sickness if you'll help it out sometimes. And one form of therapy is sunlight. I actually did a study on the benefits of sunlight because I am the parent that coats my children in 100 SPF every time we move. It's a joke. Until I began to read that you cannot live without the sun. S-O-S-U-N. But I'm here to tell you it's, again, nature speaks. And that you need 10 to 30 minutes of exposed sunlight every day with no sunblock, not even sunglasses on your eyes. Do you know when the sun hits your eyes, it actually stimulates the production of melatonin? And some of you don't sleep at night because your eyes are never in the sun. Do you know that exposure to sunlight diminishes by 60% the chance of development of any form of cancer? And right now, if you do some research on this virus, which changes every day because no one really knows, one common factor in those that get really sick is a deficiency in vitamin D, which led me to study sunlight. And vitamin D is the only vitamin that is not a mineral and cannot be obtained in food. You're like, well, what about my milk? Anything that has vitamin D in it that's a food, it has been added. That's why it says fortified. It is synthetically added. Vitamin D is the only vitamin that is hormonal and can be produced only by the human body. And vitamin D is the answer to dementia. Vitamin D is the answer to cancer. And right now, vitamin D seems to be an answer to COVID. So I have been out in the sun 30 minutes a day producing vitamin D. Why are you saying this, Pastor Devin? Because vitamin D can only be ingested in a quick way in a synthetic manner. 
Vitamin D is only produced by your body when you're soaking in the sun. Listen to me. There are things, there are some things in your life you will only produce over soaking in the sun. Some things take time. Some things take intention. And some of you in your Christian walk, you're mad about the fruit you're not bearing. You're mad about the revelation you're not walking in. And all the while, you're popping synthetic things in your body trying to get a quick uh, result for what you see in someone around you. And I'm here to tell you, there are things in the spirit you will only produce when you get with him, face to face with him, when you spend time with him. How are you instant in season and out of season? Because every day you're walking and talking with him. How do you know what to do when your family's in crisis? Because every day you're walking and talking with him. Some of you are frustrated over what you're not producing and I'm trying to give you the answer. Soak in him. Soak in him. Take time every day. Set an alarm. Set a clock. Whatever you have to do. Take off the sunglasses. Take off the sunblock. Take off all the distractions and just get in his glory and watch your whole house transform. Kev, get ready. I'm finishing. I'm going to end with this. I said that already. (laughs) Face to face is a partnership. It's not just our face that matters. It's his. I don't want to look at a God that's not looking at me. I don't want to wake up one day and find that his eyes are far from me. Or that his face is not inclined or turned to me. Seek the sun while he may be found. Do you realize you are living in a moment of mercy and grace where the face of the Father is turned toward you? And how many of you does he turn to you every day only to see the back of your head? His face may not always be turned to humanity in favor. There will be a day he is the just and righteous judge. But right now, because of the mercy of Jesus, you can find his face as it's turned toward you. Proverbs 15 and 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, searching the wicked and the good. If you're a sinner in here today and you think he's not looking at you, he's watching even when you're not aware of where he is. Jeremiah 16 and 17 says, My eyes are on all of their ways. Nothing is hidden from my face, nor is your iniquity concealed from my eyes. What would we feel if we recognized the Lord was looking at us with how we behaved in our homes and our walk with him? If you want the face of the Lord towards you, listen to this. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He's looking for you. He's looking for you. Draw near to God and he will draw even nearer to you. Even the priestly blessing that we sing And we read, I want you to hear it through the light of this revelation. 
You can't be blessed if you're not face to face. Number six, verse 24. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance or his face upon you and give you peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. You want your home to be blessed? I don't know how many out here had ADD or ADHD children. Maybe I have one or two in my house. And I remember as a child, if I wanted to make sure I had focus and attention, I would say, look at me. Look at me. Stop and look at me. And then I would give instruction. And this is what the Lord has been saying to me as his child. And he's saying to the church in America, he's saying to redemption to the nation's church, I am turning your face to me away from all other distractions. Look at me. I have some things to say. I have the answers. I want to bless you. I want to keep you. But look at me face to face. And then we won't take his name in vain. You can stand with me all over this place. I said, Father, I never, ever take a pulpit or preach a word that there is not an encounter that is the target. I don't come so you can hear enticing words of man's wisdom. Words are to lead us to him. I said, Father, what would you do in this house today in a day where social distancing is our protection? We cannot social distance from the Father. He is saying, you know what? Maybe you do need to distance yourself from all of those distractions. And why don't you just draw that much closer to me? He said, don't social distance me. You tell them, don't social distance me. And this is what he said. I want you to pray a prayer of repentance, not for sin, for distance. The sin in your life is a result of distance. You can't stay in his face and live in sin. You can't stay in his face and walk in identity confusion. You can't stay in his face and remain in depression. God said, forget the sin. Why don't you attack it at the root and tell my bride to repent of distance. There's far too much distance between us and him right now. And there's a nation suffering because of it. There's a lost and dying world suffering, not because of their sin, because of ours. So if you wanted to leave feeling really good today, I pray after you pray you do. But right now, can we pray a prayer, a personal prayer of repentance for any distance between us and the Father? Every head bowed. And if you're in here today, before I pray this prayer, and that distance equals the fact that you're away from the Lord, 
He's not near as concerned about your sin as he is that distance, that gap the enemy has created. And today he wants to close the gap. For those of you that you love the Lord, you've served him all your life, but right now you literally feel thick darkness around you. Your peace is gone. Fear has set upon you at night. The solution is not gaining more information about our current circumstances. The solution is to close the gap, to close the distance. What would happen if every member of Redemption to the Nation's Church got face to face with him? There would be so much light coming from this place, it could not stop by just illuminating a city. It would illuminate a nation. So, Father, I submit my heart in obedience to you. And I join with my church family, and we repent. We humble ourselves before you, before our children, before our spouses, before our church family. And we repent for distance. We repent for that gap, any gap, whether it's an inch or a mile, any distance is too much. We repent, Father, for a lack of revelation and light. We repent for leaning on our own understanding instead of acknowledging or looking to you. And Father, as your bride, we repent for a lack of focus. We repent for wandering eyes, looking everywhere but to you and to your word. We repent for squandered time, hours of time we have wasted listening to individuals who have no regenerated thought process instead of listening to your Holy Spirit. We repent for turning our back on you at times you wanted to speak to us. We repent for giving heed and honor to inferior words of information instead of making time for your priceless revelation. And we repent for using this God-given mouth and God-given breath to regurgitate words that have brought fear and hopelessness instead of repeating the words of life you give us. Forgive us for acting in our own initiative and speaking our own mind. We repent, wash us, wash our tongue, wash our lips, wash our heart with your blood and remove from us every vile word and vain confession that has divided your body and ripped a nation in half. Forgive us. Forgive us, Father. We repent and we turn toward you. We turn our face toward you. We fix our eyes on you. We'll not be distracted again. Take a call from the altar. Purify my lips, Father. Let not another word come out of this mouth of creation that is contrary to your word or hurt your heart. Oh, my, not my soul. Forgive us, Father. For bowing 
to fear and culture instead of bowing in honor to you, the one who doesn't only have the power to take our body but our soul. <laughs> Let the fear of the Lord return to our hearts and your bride. Right now, you do it. I'm just praying out loud. This is my own prayers. You begin to pray yours. And begin to repent for distance and draw near. Let him wash you. Let him cleanse you. Your heart, your mouth, your thoughts, your hands, your house. Cleanse the atmosphere of our homes, Father. From the toxins we have spewed over the atmosphere of our children. Cleanse our homes. Let us feed our babies the bread of life. I'm going to turn this over to Kevin. I just want to open your seat, the altars. There's no preconceived idea of what should happen here other than repent. Cry out before the Lord. Get face to face with him and let him start talking. In Jesus' name. I want to do two things. I want to make sure those, because we're fixing to go into a moment of time of prayer. And I just want to encourage everyone as you leave. We didn't take the offering earlier. Just be faithful in your giving because God has been so so kind to our church and we uh, have been blessing this community and the people in it. But if you're going to give, you can do that online through text. You can give it in the back on your way out in one of the boxes. I just want to invite everyone in the room and online to do that before you disconnect. But I want to make sure we protect this moment that we're in right now. You can make that place where you're sitting an altar. Uh, or you can come and kneel and you can and, and pray here. This was not a sermon. This was a word from the Lord. And when Devin said this just a moment ago, I was reminded of Psalm 19. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And what we need right now, I, I just... Revelation. The only way not to walk in fear of what's going on in the earth is to walk in the fear of the Lord. If you walk in the fear of the Lord, you'll fear nothing else. Can we just draw close to him today? You can stand or kneel at your seat, or you can come to this altar. And, and I think this is a day of personal, personal inventory. Um, I, I, I don't want us going around sharing words with everyone today. We need to talk to God for ourselves today. Amen. And we can do prophesying. I believe in that. You know that. But there are some days where the Lord wants something so personal to happen that it is between you and Abba. And as they just play for a few moments, you can give however you want to give. If you have to leave, we bless you. God bless you. We love you. But can we take some time just to draw close to him? This word convicted my heart. I want to hear his voice. The Lord said to me and last night, I was talking to Devin about what she was going to preach. God said to me, Kevin, I don't get louder. You have to get closer. 
We want God to scream, but God says, I don't scream. I whisper in a still, small voice. And if you want to hear me, you just got to get closer. How many want to hear him? It's LeBron and them play. I don't know, Tobin, you can do whatever you feel led. Devin and I want to pray. I want you to pray. We need to spend some time in prayer, repenting and drawing closer to the Lord Jesus and walking in the fear of the Lord. And as you walk in the fear of him, you'll not, you'll not live in the fear of everything else. Can the church say amen? Let's just pray today. God bless you.